Avoid these mistakes if you go to events. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 321. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Many times, there might be an event that's relevant to you, either for you to learn things for podcasting, like Podcast Movement or PodFest in Florida or something else like that, or it could be something that's not related to podcasting at all but it's related to your podcast because it's about the subject your podcast is about. So attending these kind of relevant events can be beneficial to your podcast and can hold all kinds of exciting opportunities for you unless you make a lot of mistakes along the way. Now, I highly recommend that you attend whatever event is most relevant to you. That could be podcast movement, and certainly, if you can, make it to a podcast movement someday. That's a lot of fun for podcasters. But maybe what's most relevant and most valuable to you and to your audience would instead be attending an event that's in your niche. That could be comics, that could be crafts, that could be movies, that could be religion, that could be anything. That might be what's most beneficial to you and your audience. So regardless of the kind of event that you attend, to get the most value from it, I recommend that you avoid these mistakes, and these mistakes that I'm about to share with you are mistakes I've made, and I made them just recently at Podcast Movement 2017. Most of these mistakes were a daily occurrence for me, and I look back at Podcast Movement 2017, and Podcast Movement is my favorite event to attend. It's right up there with Social Media Marketing World. I love going to both of these. And now PodFest is another great event. There are so many great events in the podcasting and social media space, and I really enjoy all of them. But I have major regrets with this most recent podcast movement. And it's not at all the fault of Dan, Jared, Mitch, any of the other crew behind podcast movement. It's my own fault because I made these mistakes that I'm about to share with you. So I hope that you don't make these same mistakes whether you're attending an event because of your podcast or you plan to podcast from the event or record interviews or anything like that, these are the mistakes I recommend you not make. On the positive side of what you can do at events, you probably heard my recent episode where I talked about ways to record your podcast at events. Also look back to episode 229, which was how to get the most from podcasting and social media conferences. And you could go all the way back to episode 54, Though I'm not so sure I would recommend everything I recommended in that episode because it's been so long and I've matured and the podcasting industry has matured too. But in that episode, I talked about nine tips for how to grow your audience by attending social media events. You can get those links, the resources, and everything else I talk about in this episode in the show notes for episode 321 by tapping inside your app or go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash event mistakes. First mistake going without a plan you may be tempted to wait until you're at the event and then go with your gut feelings on what sessions to attend who to talk to where to spend your time 
In other words, you're playing it by ear or you're waiting to cross that bridge until you come to it. Or as I like to merge together certain sayings, you'll play that bridge by ear when you come to it. But this kind of thinking often leads to missing the important things and leads to regrets like I have with my past conference experience. If you have people you want to meet or you have sessions you want to attend or there are other things you know you want to do while you're there at that event, you'll be far more likely to accomplish them all or most of them if you make a plan before the event. Don't wait until that night before or when you're on the plane. Plan it ahead of time so you can know at such and such time I'm going to this thing or I have availability here for in case someone asks to interview me or anything else like that. Go with a plan. Don't make the mistake of going without a plan. Also, don't make the mistake of committing or trying to do too much. I made the same mistake too. Even with a plan. It can be easy to overcommit yourself at any kind of event. Schedules need margin for each event so that you can account for travel, whether that's traveling by foot or by car or bus or train or whatever. Also to account for traffic, whether that be a long line at the coffee shop or the traffic for the elevators, the traffic to get through the check-in line, car traffic, anything like that. Your schedule also needs to account for things going over time. Whether that's a conversation, an interview, a session you really want to stay in. You also need to account for physical needs. Don't forget to eat, to use the restroom, to take a break, to sit down, stand up, move around. Those kinds of things that do take time and you need to account for that time. And there could be any other kind of delay or extension that you need to have that margin for in your schedule so that it doesn't mess up the rest of what you're trying to do. But even in these things, You could be overcommitting. You could be booking yourself so much that you're not allowing time for those things that are spur of the moment kind of things that might not ever happen ever again. You see that person whom you didn't expect to be at the event and you really want to talk to them. How are you going to fit that in with everything else that you have scheduled? Don't overcommit. Don't try to do too much. At Podcast Movement 2017, I wanted to record interviews for a podcast episode. I wanted to record video testimonials from Podcaster Society members. I wanted to meet certain people. I wanted to do a couple video interviews with some of the vendors at the event. I wanted to see all of the vendors at the event. But most of these things didn't actually happen because I didn't have a plan. And even if I did have a plan for how I would tie these things all together, I would have probably realized inside of my plan that I was trying to cram too much into an already tight schedule with other commitments for having to be at a booth, having sessions to be at, and things I wanted to see. Don't make that same mistake I made of committing or trying to do too much. The next mistake to avoid is neglecting your body's needs. Events can be rough on your body. There's the stress of travel. That alone can be rough enough. But there's also the potential shift in time zones. There's probably less sleep, both because of that time zone shift and because of adrenaline and other things going on at the event. There's a lot of talking involved, and there's contact with germ-carrying creatures throughout the event. These are otherwise known as other humans attending the event. And there's the adrenaline rush that can distract you from what your body actually needs. Podcast Movement 2017 was right after I had a really weird tonsil issue. I won't get into the gross details of it, 
but my throat was still very sensitive while I was at Podcast Movement, and I was also prone to frequent coughing. So if you saw me, I was not sick. I had already had something weird happen, and I was recovering from that, but still suffering from some of the symptoms. So I needed to hydrate with a lot of water, and consequently, that also meant I had to use the restroom quite frequently. And neglecting either of these physical needs would have put me in much greater discomfort and reduced health, not to mention potentially embarrassing circumstances that have happened to me before. Go listen to an episode of The Ramen Noodle, which I'll link to in the show notes for this episode if you want that very embarrassing story of what happened to me at CES one time because I was very well hydrated and not paying attention to my body's other needs. So don't make the same mistake of neglecting your body's needs. Make it your goal to come back from these events just as healthy as when you went to the events. I know your voice will probably be strained and there are things that you might be able to learn to avoid the strain with your voice. I'm really, really looking to hire a voice coach who can not only help me to better speak when I'm recording podcast episodes, but also when I'm at events where I have to project because Unfortunately, there's music somewhere, or just because there are so many passionate people, the environment is loud enough, even without music, that I have to project, I have to yell, and that ends up hurting my voice in certain ways. So don't neglect your body's needs. Take care of yourself so that you stay healthy and so that you protect your moneymaker, which for us, as most of us being audio podcasters, our moneymakers are not our faces. They're our voices. Protect that. And next, and this is a big one for me. Don't make the mistake of investing in the wrong places. And I want to make this point with my own experience and my own long story here. And you'll pull some insights from this. And your results may be completely different in similar circumstances or completely different circumstances. But I want to share with you my experience and why I think this is so important for you to know if you're going to an event, whether it's a podcasting event or something relevant to your podcast. And at this point right now, when I'm recording this, I have very little booth and sponsoring experience with conferences. I've gone to lots of conferences. I've helped organize conferences. I've been the lead organizer for a conference. So conferences themselves are not new to me. I love the atmosphere of conferences and I get this big adrenaline rush and just often eat the energy that comes from these kinds of things. And so many times skip meals. But that aside, I've had a booth at only two podcast movements. That's my only experience up to this point of sponsoring and exhibiting at a conference. I've been kind of considered an exhibitor before when I was at CES with the Tech Podcast Network. That's Todd Cochran's group. But we had a booth for doing live streaming. So it's not like we were trying to sell something or get customers. Everyone was coming to us for the interviews. But in my own personal experience of having these two booths at two separate podcast movement events, what I'm about to share with you is a reflection of me my business, and what I have to offer. So this is not at all about the potential value of sponsoring in general, and it's not at all a reflection of sponsoring podcast movement, which is a wonderful option for many people. That said, I now realize it was actually a mistake for me to sponsor with a booth at Podcast Movement. There are a lot of pieces in that, and I'll break that down a little bit as I continue on here. And I think that this is because I realized it's not a good fit for me, my business, and what I have to offer. I think that the advertised cost for my little kiosk that I had 
was somewhere around $1,800 and then add to that the expense of getting banners made and printed stuff and all of that. So my investment for sponsoring and having a booth at Podcast Movement 2017 was somewhere over $2,000, maybe even higher than $2,200. But I'll just use that $2,000 figure because I think that's probably what it worked out to be. I loved having a place where people knew they could almost always find me. I did that in Podcast Movement 2016, and that's what I loved so much about it. It was in a good position, good amount of traffic. It was not at all financially profitable. I did not earn back what I invested in that. But I thought it was relationally profitable. I loved having that place where I could talk to people. I could show them my podcast reviews. I could talk to them about Podcaster Society. And that's when I was also talking to several potential experts who would be part of the next phase of Podcaster Society, which is now available at podcastersociety.com, where I now have other experts contributing great value to the society. So with the expense of about $2,000, that was too much to pay for simply having a place where people could find me. It really became more of a burden that meant I had to be there almost the entire time. And at least this year, I had a fellow Podcaster Society expert, Eric K. Johnson, with me. Eric is the host of the Podcast Talent Coach and the co-host of the Podcast Review Show. And he was helping me in the booth. And that was a wonderful relief when I needed a break or it was my time for a session or traffic was a little bit busy. And Eric did a fantastic job representing Podcaster Society and demonstrating my podcast reviews. So nothing on him bad. He supported me really well. He was at the booth quite often with me. So why was this a wrong investment for me? Having a booth is great for brand awareness, but I realized that I don't need to raise awareness for Podcaster Society. Now, maybe I do for my podcast reviews because many people don't realize the problem even exists that my podcast reviews is solving. But looking at Podcaster Society, which between my podcast reviews and Podcaster Society, Podcaster Society is the more valuable thing to me as well as where I can give more value to my audience. So if only people who joined Podcaster Society were people like you who already follow me or the other experts who are members of Podcaster Society, then it would still be a success. I don't have to go out and find some random podcaster who's never met me or the other experts before and try and convince them to join Podcaster Society. It's great if they do. They're certainly welcome. But even if they never did, I think I would be fine if Podcaster Society appealed to only my existing audience and the audience of the experts. I don't need to raise awareness for it. In fact, I would much rather have you join than some other random stranger who doesn't already know me or the other experts. Thus, I did not and do not need to raise awareness of podcaster society to strangers. It would be far better for me to better market to the audience I already have, whether that be you or one of the other listeners, to communicate the value, to compel you to check it out, to try it, to join, if that's something that is a good fit for you. Having a booth is also great when you need a home base. This is great for live streaming, demonstrations, and even some kinds of interviews. This one aspect was indeed good for my podcast reviews, which speaks for itself better in demonstration than my marketing material does, because I would ask people, what's the name of your podcast? Let's add it to my podcast reviews so that you can see your podcast reviews. 
from all 155 iTunes countries. And that was much more compelling to people than simply saying, yeah, we pull all of your reviews from all 155 iTunes countries. And many people would think, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. But when I could show them, did you know you had reviews in Bolivia? Did you know you had all of these amazing five-star reviews from this other country that maybe you didn't even know existed? That kind of thing is much more powerful. So from that aspect, having a booth from my podcast reviews does make good sense because brand awareness is necessary for that and demonstration is necessary for that. But my podcast reviews is a product that's available for free to many podcasters, as long as you're not running a business-oriented show, and we define that more explicitly on the site. But even if you pay for my podcast reviews, it starts at only $5 a month, and depending on your needs. It goes up from there, and you can pay for a whole year in advance, and you get some time for free. So it's a relatively inexpensive product. That's the point. So to earn back that $2,000 investment... I would have needed about 50 podcasters to join at least the $5 a month plan and stay for at least a year on that plan. And that is somewhat reasonable, but that investment would be far easier to earn back from new podcaster society members where the membership rate is $49 a month. And the value in that to the user is far greater than the value in my podcast reviews. Yes, I'm saying that one of my products is far better than my other product. But that's still something I could more effectively promote to you and my other existing audience members and probably get better results. Plus, and this was the expensive lesson for me to learn, so it wasn't a complete waste, but that $2,000 could have been better invested into many other ways to improve my marketing or even improve my products themselves. And then the returns could have been much greater. So for me, for my business, and for what I offer, a booth was the wrong investment. Now, I will try having a booth one more time at PodFest in Orlando in 2018 because I want to try some new things down there. And it's a completely different audience, too. Really looking forward to PodFest. It's a very community-focused and independent podcaster-focused event. Whereas Podcast Movement, still also both great conferences. Podcast movement appeals to many, many types of podcasters, from the independents all the way to the public radio podcasters. So we'll see what kind of results I get from having one more booth at PodFest. But at Podcast Movement, I spent less than $200 to buy a meal for all of my Podcaster Society members who could join me for breakfast one morning. And I think that that was a far more worthwhile investment because I was investing into relationships. I was fostering those relationships, growing them. And even though they were relationships I already had, and I'm guessing that each person who joined us for breakfast that Friday morning feels now a little bit more connected to the other members, a little bit more connected to me, and maybe even more loyal to staying in podcaster society because of that. So that could end up being a far more profitable investment than trying to advertise and increase brand awareness. And it was also a lot more fun to be able to sit down, enjoy a meal together, have deeper conversations, and not have to try and shout over the noise of being on the expo floor and having to keep my eyes out for other people who might be interested to know what my booth was about. 
but your situation could be completely different from my situation. For example, companies like Libsyn, Blueberry, and Spreaker had much greater potential to reach their existing and potential customers through a booth. Libsyn, for example, you could stop by there, drop off your business cards if you're a Libsyn customer, and put them on the table. You could get one of their new t-shirts if you're a Libsyn customer. Blueberry had some t-shirts too. Spreaker had t-shirts. Podbean had t-shirts. A lot of people had t-shirts. And you could connect with them more deeply, get to know them a little bit better, ask them questions. That was their way of reaching their community. So for me, I could reach my community better by inviting them to a meal. For these bigger companies that have a lot larger of a customer base, they could reach their community better by having a booth. And it was also raising brand awareness. I heard from someone from the Blueberry booth that they had to do less explaining this year of what services they provided. And now the conversation was more about what made their service unique compared to other providers. I'm sure that was probably the same case for several of the other companies too. It could also be in your situation, you do need to raise awareness to strangers, or maybe you do need to have a home base for your operations, whether that be for interviews or for demonstrations or for anything else. And it could even be that while bag inserts were a good investment for me, and I designed some really cool bag inserts about the size of a postcard that had useful information on the back of the cards and then on the front of the cards had the promotion of that product or service I was advertising. And if you discovered my product or service because of those cards, I'd love your feedback, by the way. But for you, it could be that investing in bag inserts like that would not be a good decision for you, and maybe a booth would be. For me, I think it's the other way around. Bag inserts, I still see value in that. And a lot more measurable value, too, because I can put a trackable link on there. I can't really track a person who stops by the booth and says that they'll check it out later. And the real unfortunate thing about all of this, when we're talking about investments and investing in the right things and avoiding investing in the wrong things, is that you might not know the right answer for yourself. Unless you either invest and learn the hard way, like I just did, or you hire an experienced consultant to save you before you invest even further. And that will cost too. And and it's worth paying for someone else who has the experience and can share that knowledge with you. And beyond the dollars, or whatever your currency is, investing could also mean your time. I think it can be easy for anyone, whether introvert or extrovert, to spend most of their time with people they already know. It's certainly good to invest in those relationships to continue growing them. And it's also good to invest in new relationships or seek to grow those shallow relationships into deeper ones. You might also find that you get more or less benefit at an event by investing most of your time with a small selection of vendors instead of trying to see them all. For example, at NAB Show 2016, I ended up speaking with very few companies, Sennheiser, uh, Adobe, Electrovoice, and a couple others. I could have spent only a single day at the event with only those few companies. I think it would have been a great investment. On the other side, you might over-invest into one particular vendor and thus miss a bunch of other opportunities. What if I spent only one day talking to those vendors when there could have been two or three other days worth of other vendors I should have also talked to. 
If I overinvested in only that small selection, I'd miss out all of that other great value and opportunity. So again, you have to figure this out for yourself. You have to figure out what's the right investment for you, for your show, for your business, for your needs, and for your audience. And sometimes that means investing in order to find out what does or doesn't work. So the amount I invested both in time and financial resources to have a booth at Podcast Movement was not a complete waste. And again, this is not to say investing in Podcast Movement is a waste. I only discovered that it's not a good fit for me, for my business, and for what I offer through my business. Other ways would be better investments for me. So please don't make that same mistake of investing in the wrong places, whatever that means for the kinds of events that you might attend. The other mistake to avoid is taking too much stuff. I've learned to pack light when it comes to clothing, and at many of these events, you could almost go half-naked and return with a whole new wardrobe, as long as you don't mind a wardrobe full of t-shirts with logos on them. But when it comes to technology, I actually tend to overpack. At least I didn't have to lug around my notebook computer because I brought a lightweight iPad and keyboard to go along with that, and that was much better than carrying around that notebook computer. Since I was trying to do too much at Podcast Movement, I took a DSLR camera and all of the accessories and chargers and batteries that go along with that, a tripod, a wireless microphone system, and even an LED light panel and reflector and a stand to hold them. And you know how much I used? None of that. I could have used all that gear if I'd planned better and didn't overcommit. I also remember my first blog world in New Media Expo, may it rest in peace. I took four boxes of business cards. I think I had two things of luggage with me for an event that was only a few days. So how much you pack really depends on what you're able to do, what you need to do, and the kind of event that you're going to. And this also applies to how much you're carrying around during the event itself. Do you really need to carry a bunch of gear, marketing materials, or, or tech if most of your time will be spent in sessions or if most of your time will be spent in conversations in the hallway? Do you really need that laptop computer? Do you really need to try to work while you're at these events? Can't you just be present in the moment, whatever kind of event that is? Yes, I understand needing to document things and Hey, I'm the guy who took a DSLR camera to an event when I have an iPhone that takes really good photos and videos. I know the obsession with higher quality, but I don't think your audience would mind if the quality was just a little bit lower in the video area, as long as they can hear and understand and see what you're describing or showing. But it's okay if you bring lighter weight stuff. It doesn't have to be your top-notch studio quality gear. So please don't make that mistake of taking too much stuff. And lastly, don't make the mistake of shying away from conversations. Conversations are often where the most value and long-term impact can be from these events. I remember at the first podcast movement in 2014, I spent a long time out in the hallway talking to Michael Stelzner from socialmediaexaminer.com and who runs the Social Media Marketing World Conference. We were both missing probably really good sessions at that time. I don't remember exactly what sessions were going on, but they were probably good sessions where we could have learned valuable information, but instead we were in the hallways talking. Well, since then, 
I've had the opportunity to speak several times at Social Media Marketing World. I'll be speaking again in the future. I'm looking forward to that. I'll have a promo code for you soon if you want to see me there. And I'll be doing a Podcaster Society meetup as well. And many other great things have come as a result of that too. Branching out. Opportunities. Things I've learned. Relationships I've built. People I've gotten to inspire. All of that starting from a conversation in a hallway. So please don't shy away from those conversations. You can get the recordings later of sessions. Most of the time you can anyway. And one of the most disappointing things I think someone could say to me after an event is, I wanted to talk to you, but it looked like you were busy or I didn't want to interrupt. Please, you have my permission to interrupt me. You have my permission to stand there. I know it might feel a little bit awkward at first, but events are full of good networkers. These are the kinds of people who, when they see someone standing nearby who seems to be waiting for someone in that little group, a good networker will expand the circle. They'll pivot around and open the circle up and try to invite that person into the conversation. And I'm trying to practice this myself, expanding the circle, pivoting around, welcoming someone in, inviting them to be part of this conversation, maybe catching the little tail end, maybe asking for their input as well, welcoming them in. So even if you're trying to talk to someone and they're not being a good networker, they're not expanding the circle, I still recommend consider just jumping in, interrupting, or kind of easing your way into it. Of course, if this is a conversation happening somewhere in a semi-private setting that looks like it's a private conversation, be respectful of that. And I'm sure you know that already. But if it's a conversation happening in the middle of an expo floor or at a booth or something like that, it's totally okay to ease your way into it. Don't take over the conversation then. Let the others guide the conversation in your direction too. But please don't be that person who after the conference thinks, boy, I wish I stepped into those conversations. I wish I interrupted. I wish I got to talk to that person. Please do interrupt. You have my permission to interrupt when you see me in a group and you want to participate in the conversation. I'm sure other people would give you permission to. So you have my permission to interrupt other people's conversations as long as you're doing it respectfully and tactfully and you're not being a business card ninja either. Please don't be that person. The other mistake in shying away from conversations is in being literally shy. Maybe the person you want to meet is a celebrity to you. They may not be an actual celebrity, but to you, they are. You look up to them. You greatly respect them. Maybe you're, in a way, a little bit afraid of them because of their influence, their position, their power, their reputation, their experience, anything like that. But please don't let that stop you from meeting them. They may have only a small amount of time and no relationship may come from your meeting them, but that shouldn't stop you. You should still try to get what you can and shake their hand or smile, meet them, introduce them, thank them, praise them, whatever it is. I remember I was at New Media Expo, the last New Media Expo, and one of the nights there was some kind of web TV award and I'd heard that Jane Espenson was going to be there. Jane Espenson is one of the writers for Once Upon a Time. She's also contributed to many other TV shows like Battlestar Galactica, Game of Thrones, and some other things. And she was going to be there. So I had my little equipment. I wanted to try and grab an interview with her, even if it was only a couple minute interview. And I waited for a long, long, long time. I was just about to give up because I didn't see her. I kept going back and forth. I was on the red carpet line and 
got opportunities to talk with other really cool people, got the opportunity to be attacked by a zombie, too. It truly happened, yes. Not an actual zombie, of course, but it did leave some of their flesh on the suit that I was wearing at that time. But in the last minute, I got to see Jane Espenson. I recognized her. I said, Jane Espenson, because what do you say to someone who doesn't know you? Do you say, hey, Jane, or Mrs. Espenson, or Ms. Espenson, or Miss Espenson? I didn't want to try and mess with that. So I just said, Jane Espenson, and had the opportunity to meet her face to face, say who I was, and ask her, would you be able to do a super quick interview for our Once Upon a Time podcast? And she graciously said no. And she explained why. And it's not because of something she can control. It's because of ABC, the network over the TV show. And ABC is owned by Disney. And they have all of these considerations and things that this stuff has to go through proper channels and such. So it wasn't her fault that she couldn't be interviewed. And there wasn't even really the time to even talk off the record, even since it was, I think, literally two minutes before the event she needed to be part of. But I still had that cool opportunity to meet someone who is a little bit of a hero to me and to say, I got to meet Jane Espenson. And she said, keep doing what you're doing. Seems like you're doing a good job. Or she said something like that that was encouraging, that acknowledged our existence. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I thought, oh, Jane Espenson, she's this famous writer. She'll probably be really busy. She'll probably have this whole entourage around her. She won't have time for me. Even just to say, hi, I'm Daniel. I host a Once Upon a Time podcast. Thank you for making the TV show. She wouldn't have time for that. I would have missed that opportunity if I'd thought those kinds of things, if I had been too shy. I know introvert, extrovert, different perspectives there, certainly. But please don't shy away from those conversations. That could be a mistake you would regret. And with the mistakes I made at this most recent podcast movement, looking back on it, this is something I miss most. I realized that because of these other mistakes, it prevented me from having a bunch of conversations I wanted to have. Meeting new people, talking to vendors, fostering relationships I already had with other people, making them better. I missed that. And so when I look back at this podcast movement 2017, I have all kinds of regrets. Not because of the event itself, but because of me, the mistakes I made at the event, mistakes that I'm sharing with you because I don't want you to make these kinds of mistakes. Whatever kind of event it is that you're going to, whether it be a podcast movement, a pod fest, a social media marketing world, a pod camp, a mid-Atlantic podcast conference, or any kind of podcasting event or something else that's more relevant to what you talk about, please don't make these same mistakes. Avoid the mistakes of going without a plan, committing or trying to do too much, neglecting your body's needs, investing in the wrong places, taking too much stuff, and especially avoid the mistake of shying away from conversations. If you want to share your own stories or give tips to others who might be looking at the show notes for this episode, then please comment on the episode show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash event mistakes. And you can get the links, resources, and review the notes from this episode by tapping inside your app or going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash event mistakes. And if you want to learn more about how you can avoid mistakes in your own podcast or maybe recover from mistakes that you've made with your podcast, 
then the best resource I recommend for that is Podcaster Society. I'd love for you to be a member of Podcaster Society where you can learn to make your podcast amazing through webinars, tutorials, courses, access to the community, access to other podcasting experts like on sponsorship, legal issues, WordPress issues, and much more. So check it out at podcastersociety.com. Registration is open. I'm not doing that kind of fake gimmicky marketing thing where I open and close registration and say, oh, you only have so many days to register before we close it again. And that fake scarcity, I don't like that. It was closed for good reason. It's now reopened again, and I don't have any plans to close it again in the future. But you don't want to miss all of the value that's available right now. And you don't want to miss locking in at a lower price when maybe someday in the future we might increase the price as the value goes up as well. So check it out at podcasterssociety.com and I'd love to help you improve your podcast inside of Podcasters Society. Now that I've given you some of the guts, taught you some of the tools, and I hope helped you to avoid some of the mistakes, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.